to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, many of you may be aware, and maybe some of you may not, that we are entering into um, the high holidays of the uh, Jewish faith. Um, last week was, Yon, uh, was Yon, um, Rosh Hashanah, uh, the new year. We all will be entering into um, um, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement on Tuesday, followed by the Festival of uh, Booths, uh, which, uh, which speaks of the Jewish people in the wilderness. So this is a, a time of uh, fasting and celebration in the Jewish faith, which also um, influenced, we know, and impacts uh, the Christian faith, uh, as we're going to find out uh, in, in my message in a few moments. But uh, I'm just uh, blessed to be here, blessed to see my children walking with the Lord <clears throat> and knowing that they are training my children's children uh, to know God. Uh, that is my greatest blessing and my greatest gifts. And uh, I'm very thankful <clears throat> and very grateful to God for making me a wealthy woman. Amen. Because uh, for me, uh, that's, you know, wealth is what, uh, what makes you feel fulfilled, okay? Um, wealth is what you have that's so sufficient that you can give it to others, and that is my faith. Um, so I praise God. So kind of like in keeping with, uh, with uh, the upcoming Yom Kippur and uh, the... Uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah. Just want to sing Mara Tuka. You gonna sing with me? Halle, hallelujah. Mara Tuka. Adonai. Mara Ahavka. What it means is how abundant is your goodness. How abundant is your love. I'm singing my how great to goodness, goodness. Halle, hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Mara Tufka Adonai. Adonai is Lord. How good is your how great is your goodness, Lord? Mara that's love. Ahav, ahav, ka, how abundant is your goodness, how abundant is your love. And sometimes I ask myself, I don't know why you love me, don't know why you love me, I don't know why you love me so, I don't know why you love me so. I don't know why you saved me. Don't know why you saved me. I don't know why you saved me so. I don't know why you saved me so. I'm singing Mara Tufka. Halle, hallelujah. Mara Tufka. Adonai, Mara, Ahav, 
How abundant is your goodness. How abundant is your love. Hallelujah. Let's give him a clap offering. Let's give him a clap offering. It's um, so good to see my, my prayer partner and sister in faith for many years, Marilyn Bobby, and we have walked together so long. And I'm just rejoicing. I don't know where our other third is. What happened to Miss Janet, Mama J, this morning? I don't know. She's gone. I don't know where she is. But normally she's, she's shadowing me or I'm shadowing her. So um, anyway, but uh, I'm so glad to see all of you. And of course, my beloved husband. Can't do nothing without you. And my son and daughter, Paul and Michelle Jackson, in the house. And uh, my hero, Adam. Yeah, this, he was the first one to call me Mama T on this planet, okay? That was my first grandson. And now he is uh, just uh, produced. He's a producer. Uh, he's produced Chloe, and now he's produced Indiana along with a lot of other stuff that he's working on. But those two are just your greatest productions. And I, I thank you for it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Indiana real soon. And to all of you, God bless you. To the Bailey family, to Stephanie and everyone else. God bless you. I love you. Uh, and of course, I love my pastors, Daryl and Teresa Ordell. Praise God for you. Stay strong. The best is yet to come. Amen. Okay. Uh, this is a place you have to pass through on your way to victory. Amen. Uh, no story, no glory. Amen. Uh, the message for today, do we have a screen? We have the, are we ready on screen? Okay, yeah, message for today. Um, I'm excited about this message. I, I spent way too much time um, studying. I looked up on, on the clock last night, and I couldn't believe that it was like almost three o'clock in the morning because I was just enjoying uh, going through uh, the word last night and just uh, because the topic just, you know, you can start studying one thing and end up in Timbuktu, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, out of all of your discoveries and investigation. So it, it was just a wonderful time for me. So I hope you have as much fun as, as I had because um, what's going on? He'll find out. I hope you have as um, enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed um, my investigation. Um, but the title of my message this morning is Hope Floats. Amen hope floats um, because we, we're, we're living in the kind of world that are so, uh, <clears throat> that are so filled with ups and downs and, um, and, and the unpredictability uh, from one moment to the next, okay? Just, just, you know, just in a moment, you know. We live in a world of suddenlies, okay, where one day things are one way and then the next day they may change, not the next day, the next moment, amen? So, um, so the psalmist uh, in Psalms 42 um, uh, is going through one of those ups and downs. Uh, and this, is real, this message really is not about 
ups and downs as much as it is about how to stay afloat through the ups and downs, okay? You know, ships that are on the ocean, sometimes they have it smooth and sometimes they have it rough, but they have a destination. So how to, how to get to your destination, how to reach the places that you, know, that you aspire to be, whether they are spiritual places, whether they're natural places, how to keep your hope floating, amen? Because hope is the, is the key thing, okay? Um, it is, it is uh, you know, and uh, uh, what is it anyway? What is hope? Um, anybody have any idea? You know, I, I, it's kind of like um, be, having a blessed assurance that's not based on evidence. It's, it's, a, it's to be assured of something even when there's no evidence to support your assurance. Um, uh, you ever hear there's an old hymn called Blessed Assurance? Jesus is mine. You know, assurance is to be confident a thing, but when your assurance is blessed, when God says, you know, in other words, a blessed assurance is an assurance that you have even though you don't know why you have it. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, a blessed assurance. That's what they mean by blessed. It's one thing to have an insurance, but to not even know the source of it, it's just here, it's just in my heart, you know. I'm just convinced that even though it's looking uh, a, a certain way, you know, that uh, 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 um, I believe God is gonna do it. Now, do you have my, um, do you have my PowerPoint? Because I'm seeing scriptures, but I don't see my PowerPoint from here. Uh, and it is to, tr it is, this is what, this is what I sent? So I sent the wrong one? Huh. Okay. Uh, can we, can we um, since we are a small group, can we, I have a moment? Because I believe I brought my stick with me. I sent the wrong information. Um, I don't know whether you can put up something like this on a slide, or do you have to know? See if you find my stick in, uh, it's just like the enemy, you know, he's just full of, uh, yeah. full of nonsense, full of nonsense. Um, the psalmist, um, as you know, uh, in this particular case, uh, this is one of the sons of Korah who writes this particular uh, psalm. And a lot of you are uh, of the mind that David wrote all the psalms, but David had a team of songwriters, amen? A team of worship leaders. And um, I, I, a lot of times, what the worship leaders um, would do, they would see a certain situation going on with the king or in the nation or even in their personal circumstance that they would write about. Okay, so uh, in this particular situation, uh, uh, Korah, one of the sons of Korah, is writing about a difficulty that he may be observing in another person, possibly David, okay? Um, but uh, it's a time when his hope or that, that part of him, uh, that blessed assurance in him that things had, has been severely challenged. And uh, he almost appears to be schizophrenic, the writer, in his approach. 
Um, but we are all have, suffer from this type of schizophrenia, where we are doubtful one moment and how, how hopeful the next, okay? One moment in doubt, and I'm not talking about a long way off. I'm talking about sometimes we catch ourselves in the midst of doubt. You get what I'm saying? And we say, oh no, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, come on, shake it off, okay, let's go. And so the, so the, the psalmist uh, kind of appears schizophrenic when he says in 42.5, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you so disturbed within me? I don't know if you can see that or not. Can you turn the, turn the light down a little bit so they can catch this vision of what's up here? Uh, the psalmist is saying, this is, can you see what this is? Huh? Is there anything you can do when a skunk gets in your, huh? It ain't nothing you can do, okay? Except stand there and be upset, okay? Stand there and be upset. And so sometimes we're in a situation where a skunk gets get in our way, and it's nothing we can do because he rules, okay? He's, he's got you on lockdown as he has his puppy. And, he, and, and, and the puppy is saying to himself, why are you cast down? Oh, well, the tea just fell into the speaker. So kind of like, yes. So let's not blow up the place, okay? Well, we're having all kinds of fun this morning. Amen. Did we lose the feed? Is it back up? Um, so why, why are you cast down, oh my soul? And, and why are you so upset within me? And have you ever been in that place where you just like, just feeling frustrated, feeling like, you know, hey, this is not working, and guess what? There is nothing I can do about it, okay? The Psalms is that this is not working. I don't see no solution. There's nothing I can do except stand here and watch this disrespect go on. You understand what I mean? Or this situation that I can't change. I can't change other people. I can't change the situation. All I can do, all, all the poor guy can do is just sit here and watch himself get taken advantage of and go through it. Now, why are you dis And so the question is, what are you upset about? Well, I can make you a whole list of stuff I could be upset about. I mean, you know, last night we went in the kitchen and uh, uh, was water all over the kitchen floor. Charles thought I spilled something. I thought he spilled something. And we found out that the water was coming up through the floor, okay? That uh, some kind of pipe had busted, okay? And the water was coming through the floor. So at 1 o'clock in the morning when I decided to take a bath, uh, the water was 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, when I started to take a bath, the water was cut off. And I didn't know what happened. And Charles said, well, I cut the water off. I said, well, you know I got to go to church in the morning. How am I going to take a bath? So he gets up in the middle of the night, goes outside, turns the water heater back on so I can get it. I'm telling you. You understand what I'm saying? Now, that's just a little thing. But, but I mean, a pipe being busted under your floor is not a little thing, of course, you know. But, but what I'm saying is, at that moment, in the middle of 3 o'clock in the morning, there's nothing you can do about water except turn the water off, okay? Turn the water off. So frustrating things are always happening where it kind of leaves you looking like that, 
okay, like we do in the picture. And, but the psalmist says, why are you so upset? What, what, are you, what are you going through? He's asking himself a question, and then he turns around and answers the question. He said, you know what to do? Go to the next slide, please. You know how to handle this? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. You see, this little boy, he is on his back. He said, all I can do is just give you the glory. All I can do is just praise you. You know, what, what are you going to do when you're upset? Hope in God. Just start praising him. Say, God, I need some evidence. I need some assurance right now that you've got this. Will you please open up the photo album of everything that you've ever brought me through and remind me, God, that this too shall pass, that there's nothing too hard for you, that with you all things are possible. Lord, as I raise my paws and my hands or whatever I'm raising, will you remind me until my hope fills up again until I just look at the situation I'm in or what I'm facing or what I'm dealing with and just be assured that it's being taken care of. Amen. He says, this is it. So, so my, my situation was this. Um, a while back when I was kind of like going through one of those moments. And, and I know that, hey, when my back is up against the wall, I go to praise. I go straight to praise. I do not pass go, do not call anybody, you know, do not call lawyers, doctors, police. I go straight to praise. So anyway, I go out to head out to the beach and uh, I'm, you know, I'm just going out there and I'm gonna pray, you know, and until, you know, and, and it's almost like, Lord, I know you got the situation. I just need you to get me, okay? I need you to just, you know, I don't need you to handle the situation. I need you to handle me, okay? And so I'm going to the beach so God can handle me, so that I can get through this and keep my head on straight and hear what God is saying in this situation. So I'm walking along the beach and I'm praising God, you know, and I'm worshiping him, you know, and I'm speaking in my heavenly language, you know, and I'm singing and I'm praying and I'm looking out over the water and I don't see nothing but miles and miles of ocean. That's what I see. Maryland, nothing but ocean. And the, but the Lord's got my attention. He just keeps looking. He says, what do you see? And I'm like, I see an ocean. You know, keep looking. What do you see? And all of a sudden, way, way, way out on the ocean, I see a, a, what do you call those things? A cargo ship. And if you've ever been down to Redondo Beach or Manhattan Beach or any of the beaches around California, very often you'll see sitting out on the horizon a cargo ship or two. Anybody know? Anybody seen that? Okay. Have you ever noticed that it's just sitting there? It's, it's not moving. Sometimes, sometimes you'll see them moving. Other times you'll just see them kind of like sitting on the horizon. God says, what do you see? And I said, I, I see a ship. You know, he says, well, I want you to think about this ship. He says, just think about it. How much do you think that ship weighs? How many tons of steel are out there? I'm like, I can't even figure out, you know. He says, well, how is steel? He says, you ever drop something in the ocean like your cell phone or, your, or just a, anything metal in the ocean? What happens when you drop something metal in the ocean? It sinks forever. So, so God says, so explain to me. How tons of steel sitting out in what is not sinking. 
He says, what you're looking at, you're looking at a miracle. That I would devise something that would defy all logic and cause it to float. He said, now let me tell you something else about that ship. He said, that ship, not only is it defying gravity by sitting on the water, that ship is full of cargo bins. He says, at least 1,500. It would be, if you took them down and lined them up, he said, they, they could go for 20 miles of cargo bins all on one ship. He said, do you know what they're carrying? They're carrying everything that you could possibly need. Bicycles, medicine, food, electronics, clothes, tennis shoes, anything that you could possibly want is probably on that ship. And it's on a ship that's sailing on a, 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 a bed of steel that is defying gravity and it's moving toward the shore. It's there. I'm like, wow. I said, you know, when you think about it, Lord, that really is something. He said, it has everything you need. And it's defying gravity. It is a miracle. So you can go to the next slide for me. He says, but, but, but this is the deal. In, 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 uh, in Psalms 42, it says this in verse 7. It says, deep calls to deep. In the roar, roar of your waterfalls, all of the waves and breakers have swept over me. This is what, 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 the, what, the, what the writer is saying. He says, I, I, I say, deep is calling to deep. He says, everything you need is out there, but where is it? It's in the, it's in the deep. Amen? And so the things that we need are in the deep, right? He says, and God is saying, I am calling you, if you want the deep things of God, then you've got to get into the deep. Deep is calling unto deep. You want the blessings of God, but, 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 but you want to just walk up to this. You understand what I mean? Go through the containers, find what you want, and just walk on about your business. No, 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 no. Deep calls unto deep. When you want the deep things of God, you have to get into the deep things of God. The deep things of God, the great things that you want from God, don't come in shallow water. Even sinners know that it's going to cost you something. That deep calls unto deep. He says, and sometimes it will feel like the water is going over your head, like you're drowning in your pursuit, like you're not making it. Psalms 107 says this. It says, these are they, Psalms 107.24 says this. He says, these are they that go into deep waters as great merchants of the earth. And then it says, the Lord calls forth a wind, and it lifts the ship up and down again until men's hearts almost faint. Hey, deep water is not a joke. But that is where your blessing is. It's in the deep. It's not a joke. It says, but the Lord will bring you, Psalms 107 says, the Lord will bring you into a safe harbor, but not until you pass through a storm to get there. Deep is calling unto deep. Now Job says, uh, can you see this Job, Job 17, 15? Job says, you know what? When I look at where I am up here on the shore, 
And I, I look at where that ship is out there in the deep. Job says this, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? He said, there's no way. I'm looking at the circumstance. I do not see any hope in this. Because if you were standing on the shore, needing a new pair of Nikes, needing medication, needing whatever you need, needing food, and you know that it's on that ship and you're standing on the shore, and you don't have a boat, and you don't have a way to get through it, and even if you got to the ship, how am I going to get? Look at that. Job says, where then is my hope? Why should I hope? Who can see? Who can visualize any? Do you see any way to get to this? That was Job's cry. Abraham answers. I love Abraham's answer. Anybody know what Abraham had to say about it? Abraham said in, four, in, uh, in, in uh, Romans 4.18, look what Abraham says. Abraham says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the fathers of many nations. Abraham said, I don't care what I can't see. I don't know. I don't know if y'all are with me or not. Because the just walk by and not by what they see. Abraham says, I, Job says, I don't see any hope. Abraham said, I'm going to hope anyway. And I'm going to hope because God said so. If God said he was going to do it, he's given me a blessed assurance. Meaning that my confidence isn't coming from what I think or what I see or what people say. My confidence is coming from something I have been blessed with, a blessed assurance, something I can't explain to you that, yeah, I shouldn't even have gotten up this morning. I should stop trying. I should just give up. I should just walk away. Well, where are you going to walk to? Where are you going? They got 150,000 people standing at a fence and hungry. Can't go back to Syria. Can't get into hungry. Standing. Where they, what you going to do? You better hope. Because you have nothing left. But you are now entered into the realm of miracles. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when Christians from Syria are forced out of Syria by ISIS, standing at the gate trying to get into a safe place, and they tell them that the gate is locked, that no one else is being allowed into Europe, and they are standing in the middle of nowhere, no home, no country, no food, no nothing, they're standing there. But somehow, they manage to survive, and they end up in your neighborhood, what kind of Christian do you have in your neighborhood? Deep calls unto deep. And when those Syrians land somewhere, you understand what I mean? With faith in Jesus Christ, and they're going to tell you, I know that I know. That in hope, I believe. Against all hope, I hoped and I believed. God made a way for me out of this. God is giving his church a new level of hope. Unfortunately, hope 
shines brightest in persecution, in adversity. When you're going through something, that's when you know that your hope is real. That's when you learn about real hope. It's right there. But how do I get to it? I have to believe God. I have to be like Abraham and believe God. Amen? I was, uh, I was uh, watching television, and uh, it was really interesting that Jesse Duplantis came on, preacher named Jesse Duplantis. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm not a fan of Jesse Duplantis. I watch, I watch Jesse Duplantis because he's funny. He's like a Christian comedian to me. But I definitely do not agree with Jesse Duplantis' theology at all times, okay? Um, so I just listen to him and laugh because he is, I don't know if you've ever caught Jesse Duplantis on television, but he's really like stand-up Christian comedian, okay? But I listen to his th theology about money and stuff, and sometimes, you know, I just find it disturbing because it just sounds like it's all about how much I can get, how big I can, how large I can live, and all that kind of stuff. But I heard him the other night, and it was, have you ever noticed that sometimes when God is doing something in your life, and he needs to pump up the volume so that you will hear him clearly, you know, that he'll speak through the most unusual sources. And Jesse Duplantis was on TV, and Jesse Duplantis was talking about wealth. And Jesse Duplantis said, God needs you to be wealthy. He, don't, he does not need you to run around, what do you, what do you say, uh, uh, trying to do ministry and begging for help. He needs you to be the source of that help. He said he wants the church to be able to write the checks. He said, and I, he, he said, and I told the Lord, he says, you know, I want to be that source. I want to be the one that writes the checks. I want to be the one that fills the need. And then he said that the Lord asked him three questions. And I've kind of modified the questions because as he, the Lord asked him questions, he was asking me three questions. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and this is kind of what he asked. You can go to the next slide, okay? Said, he asked me three things. He says, what are you hoping to accomplish and receive? First of all, you got to know what you want. And I talked to so many people, they have never written the vision. Habakkuk says, write the vision, for it is yet for an appointed time. He says, you need to write your vision down. You need to know what you know. When Adam was 12 years old, maybe 13, he knew that he wanted to be in television. He knew that from a very early age. And so I said, fine, remember Adam? And I took him down to the local public access. I said, my grandson wants to be in television. You know, and he says, well, he's not only enough. We, we only, he has to be 16 for us to train him on camera and switcher and all that kind of stuff. And we, by the time we finished talking to that man, he took him in. How old were you, Adam? You remember how old you were? About 13 or 14. He says, no, he's too young. I said, no, he's not. He knows what he wants. You know, his vision is plain in his heart. So you got to be clear about what you want. And let me tell you this. You need to be clear at an early age. You don't need to wait till you're 40 to figure out what it is you want to do. By the time you're 40 or 50, you need to have a new vision. You need to have accomplished what you accomplished, be on to the next thing. Okay? You need to have knocked that off your list, off your bucket list, and be on to the next thing. 
Amen? So at a young age, you need to be clear. Okay? And, and other people around you may not understand. But I think at five and six and seven and eight, you can need to be clear about what it is that you want to do with your life. So the Lord said to me, what are you hoping to accomplish or receive? And I had to, like, rewrite. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to sell 50 million books. Okay? Real clear. I know what I want. Okay? I, I've read the stats on who's selling what, and I want to be in that category of selling 50 million. Okay? The Lord said, clear. Okay, I got it. That's what you want. He says, now, do you believe that? Because a lot of times we say stuff, I want to be a millionaire. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know? A lot of, I've heard women say, I want to get married. And somebody talked to them, and they'd be going, you know, what do you want? He said, well, I thought you said you want to be in a relationship. Okay? Yeah, but I don't know. So we talk one thing, you understand what I mean? We talk one thing, but then when the opportunity comes, a lot of us don't even see it. We don't even see it. Oh, I want to be a, a, a CEO. Okay, well, can you help down in the mailroom? That's not what I want to be. I want to be at the top, not at the bottom. Well, how do you think you get to the top? You can't climb, you can't start climbing at the top of the ladder. Okay, I'm talking about a regular ladder up against the wall. You can't say, well, I'm going to get on the top rung first. No. You got to get to the bottom of the ladder and climb up there. So a lot of us, what do you want? What do you want? And are you realistic about what you want? And are you serious about it? Is it a passion? Is it something that you dream about? Is it something that keeps you? Are you clear about it? Are you doing something that you don't want to do and don't have the courage to go do what you really want to do? The Lord asked me that first question. Number two, he asked me this, and this is a question that he asked Jesse to plan this also. He said, how hard are you willing to work and exercise faith? A lot of us, we want things, but we don't want it like someone that climbed over fence out of Syria and walked all the way through Europe and got a passport into the United States. You don't want it like that. You got to, let me tell you something, there are people that want the same thing you want, and they want it twice as hard. So all this sitting around, you know, with free schools or student loans, and, you know, you're too lazy to get it, to get up and do it. You're too lazy to work two jobs, you understand, and go to school. You know, you're too lazy or you're too selfish to, you know, to, to put, pull your money together and live in six houses, like live in 20 in a house, like some folks we know who just crossed the border and said, just give me a little place on the floor to sleep. And we'll put all this money together. You know, how, how hard are you willing to work? And how great is your faith? Do you really believe that God is going to do? Because what happened, I said, I want to sell 50 million books. And then something inside of me said, <laughs> really? You know. And I look back, I'm like the psalmist, you know. How, why are you cast down on the soul? Hope, I said, he's, something inside of me said, really? <laughs> something else said, really? You know. You get what I'm saying? You got to talk back to yourself. When yourself tries to talk down to you and say, really? Do you know how many people are out there trying to do what you said? You know, really? You really think that you're going to get an award? You really think that you're going to, you really, you think you're really going to get married? You really think that God wants to use you? You really think you're going to preach? Really? Come on now. Look at you. You can't even find your way, you know, in, in and out of a parking spot. How's God going to use you? Really? Oh, really? 
really, I am going to do this. I really believe this. And I'm willing to do the work. And I'm telling you something. Last night, when I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning working on this message, I said, God, I'm so glad that I have the strength to be up because I'm working while my enemies are sleeping. God, keep it that way. Keep it, God, so the people that don't love you, that are thinking all kind of wicked thoughts, you understand what I'm saying? That they're tired, that they don't, they don't have enough steam to do the next thing. God, give me the steam because the Bible says that it is God that gives you power to get wealth. And I'm not talking about wealth to heap it on yourself. I'm talking about kingdom wealth. Because right now that's the most important thing. We ought to be able to send a million dollars to displace Syrians right now to make sure that they have a place to go and a way to get there. We need to be involved in that. I'm going to talk, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, 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 but we need to, number one, know what we want. And number two, be willing to do the work and exercise the faith because the doubt is going to come in. The doubt is going to tell you that you're nothing or you're nobody. But I know one thing, I'm not in Ethiopia. I'm not in Syria. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not in Iraq and I'm, I'm not in prison. I'm not anywhere. And maybe that would be a good place for you to be because it might purge some of the nonsense out of your thinking and make you serious about your pursuits. Because what's that pastor now that's right now that's being held in prison in Iraq? What's his name? Pastor Saeed. He's been in, I think it's three years now. He's been locked away for preaching the gospel in Iraq, in Iran, I'm sorry, in Iran. And do you know what? And everybody's saying, well, Lord, we're praying, the whole nation's praying. How are we going to get Pastor Saeed? God is, let me tell you, God is percolating that man. When that man comes out of prison, let me tell you, the devil's going to have hell to pay. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's how much power will be in him when God is finished. So, so the little pressure that he puts on you. The little pressure that he puts on you? Did anybody hear Pastor preach this morning, pray this morning? Did anybody hear her pray this morning? That's a pressure prayer. That's a prayer that comes out of God putting the heat on you. You understand what I mean? And then something comes out of you that you didn't even know was there. Say, God, thank you for the pressure. Come on, right now. Praise your hand up. Say, God, thank you for the pressure. Come on, every, every hand up. Every hand up. Thank you for the pressure. Thank you for the press, God, because I know that you are pushing the anointing out of me. I know you're bringing it to the surface, God. Thank you for the press. Thank you for the press. How hard are you willing to wait? Number three, what are you willing to sacrifice and endure? Hebrews 11, 30, I think 39 says, you have need of endurance, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. A lot of you, you don't want to give up nothing. You want to serve God and stay in your comfort zone. Those two things don't work together. They don't work together. Choose this day whom you will serve. Who you, who's going to be your master? You can't serve to gods. You can't serve, serve to theologies, to philosophy. You can't. You can't. You will love, the Bible says in Matthew that you will love one and hate the other eventually. You can't serve. You can't, you can't be the wife of two husbands. And as quiet as it kept, you can't be the husband of two wives. You're asking for chaos. You're asking for confusion. What are you willing to sacrifice? For what? Because let me tell you something. In order to do anything in life, 
You have to be focused. And a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You can't say, okay, I'm going to start two businesses today. I'm going to start a television business, and I'm going to open a restaurant the same day. Okay? I'm going to write a script. I'm going to hire a chef. I'm going to talk to my actresses. I'm going to... You can't do it. Something is going to suffer. You understand what I mean? What are you willing to sacrifice? What do you really want? You got to get focused. One vision. Because what's the opposite of one vision? Die vision. And we know that division does not work. It will conquer you. It will destroy you. Amen? How willing you will, are you willing to work? What are you willing to sacrifice for what you want? Amen? That's your next question. That's what God asked me as I was standing on that shore looking at that ship and then listening. I said, God, this one. And then why do you want it? What are you going to do with what God is giving you? Why do you want to be successful in your craft? Why do you want to be a lender and not a borrower? Why do you want to be successful? Because you want to wear eyeglasses, what, dark glasses, and let people flash your picture as you pass by? What, what do you want? Do you want the glory? Because I heard Kenneth Thomas say, if you give God the glory, he'll give you the credit. Okay? You want the glory for all this? Next slide, please. The fulfillment of hope. Amen. I want you to go with me, please, to Hebrews 6, 19, 6, 18. 6, 18. I love this one. Hebrews 6. It says this. Um, hold on one second. Let me see if I have it over here. Yeah. He was 618. And then I'll tell you something else about the scripture. It says this. God did this. Well, let's start at 17, and it makes even more sense. Because God wanted to make an unchanged, make the unchanging nature of his purpose, very clear to the, to the heirs. Because, are you, you, hear, you hear me, Teresa? Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs. Did you hear that, Daryl? You hear me, Daryl? He wanted to make his unchanging nature clear to his heirs, meaning that what he said, I mean it. You know, he's talking about sitting in a lawyer's office, reading his last will and testament, you know, that you're getting ready to collect on. And it says, because he wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose clear to his heirs, because I want you to believe what I'm getting ready to tell you, of what, has, what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. He says, I want you to understand my promise and my oath. Not only am I making your promise, but I'm swearing to you that it's going to be as I said. 
I'm making a promise to you that if you listen to this word, and I'm making an oath to you that it's going to be like I said. Watch this. God did this by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. To lie. What are the two unchangeable things? His promise and his oath. Whatever God promised in his word and whatever oath he makes to you, he says it's a done deal. He said, I'm going to prove this to you. Oh, this is getting good to me. I don't know about you. He says, I want you to know that it's impossible for me to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. So that we who have fled, who have left the world, okay, to take hold of the hope that's offered to us may be greatly encouraged. He says, I want you to know that I made to you a promise in the oath. I cannot lie. My word is true. And for all of you who have come out of the world system in the hope that this is true, he said, I want you to know that it is true. We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Firm and secure. That we may enter into the sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus went before us. He has entered in on our behalf and has become the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He says, let me tell you something. You don't understand how deep this is. This is deep, y'all. This is, this is no light thing. God has made you a promise and an oath. He has taken you behind the curtain into the holy place with the promise, with the whole essence of the promises, so that you may see and may you may know and you may understand that you can trust him. That whatever you ask in his name, if he said he's going to do it, he says, I made you a promise, I made you an oath, and I am a God who cannot lie. If that don't give you hope, I don't know if there's anything to make you hope. I'm a God that cannot lie. So here it is. Look at this picture. The ship has come in. It is anchored. And look what's happening. All of these goods, do you see them being loaded off the ship? Do you see them by going air and train in every other direction? Because when your ship comes in, he expects you to disperse what he's pouring into you. He, he, you can't, look at all these, look at all those cargo ships. Can you take all that home? Can you eat all of that food? Can you wear all of those clothes? Can you take all those medicine? Can you use it? You can't do nothing with that. Look at the plane. It is meant to be dispersed through you. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I want you to understand, if you're asking God to, to make you successful, if you're asking him to cause your plans to succeed, to achieve your goals and your aim, you have to do it for his glory so that it can be what? Dispersed. I'm taking y'all somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. I promise I'm taking you somewhere. I want to go to the next slide, please. Amen. And we're done. Amen. God says, I'm not a God that, I can, that can lie. He said, when I make you a promise, I'm making you a promise. Hallelujah. I have a, no, I, got, I don't have a page missing. 
Where's my page that I want? Hallelujah. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, thank you. Amen. The evidence of hope fulfilled. Y'all getting ready to shout up in here. I'm telling you, because I was 3 o'clock in the morning, I was shouting. Amen. God said, look what he says back in Hebrews, back in Hebrews 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. He said, I'm not lying to you. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Somebody stand up and read it for me. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. He said, I made you a promise. From the beginning, I made you a promise. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Whenever you get it, whoever gets it first, read it out loud. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will, all, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Did you hear that? Maybe you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again, yeah, yeah. New Living Translation. This I will make God's promise and his oath. God's promise and his oath. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Amen. Amen. Now, that promise was made to the Jews first. But watch this. He came into his own, but his own received him not. That's what John says in one. He says, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. He came into his own, the Jews, but the Jews didn't want to receive him. But to as many as did receive him, to them, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. So the promises that he made in Genesis passed from the Jews to the Christians. As many as received him. For the Jews, but, but, but watch this. What about, but the Jews are still his people. And even when they would not receive him, God still kept his promise. My God from time. Even if they didn't receive him, he still kept his promise. Because with God, a promise is a promise, and an oath is an oath. Yeah, yeah, Psalms 4.20. Somebody read, read uh, uh, Ro uh, Romans 4.20, down to 24, and this is going to make all this make sense. Romans 4. Yeah, and read, read, read down to the end, okay? You got a nice, good translation, like a regular translation, like a living or something like that? What you got? Okay, yes, read. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was, rec it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead he was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God anybody anybody had that that says Abraham hoped Abraham 420 420 you had that you had the translation we said he hoped and because his hope 
because he hoped in God. It was accounted in him for righteousness. You got that translation? Who has it? Who has it? Anybody got it? What translation do you have, Steph? Ah, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said and said to him, so shall your offspring, offspring be. Without weakening in his face, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God the glory, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him. Amen. Amen. Not only for Abraham, but for Abraham's descendants. Who descendant are you? I'm Abraham's descendant. I'm heir to the promise. Amen. Watch this, y'all. Hebrews said that God wanted to make sure that you understood that he cannot lie, that he keeps his word, that when he makes a promise and an oath, it comes to pass. Let's look at the statistics. The evidence of God's power and faithfulness of his word. Number one, these the Christians hold the largest amount of wealth in the world. 55% of the total world's wealth is in the hands of Christians. This is a fact. You can go to CNN, you can go to Time, you can go to any, any statistic will tell you that Christians hold most of the world's wealth. Why? Because we're the seed of Abraham. Amen? Now, watch the Muslims who hate Christians. How much wealth do they hold? Oh, the Muslims hold 5.8% of the world's wealth. They are second to the Christians. But I'm going to trick you in a minute. Amen? The Hindus, 3.3% of the wealth. Jews, 1.1% of the wealth. And non-religious people, the heathens of the world, are in control of 38.8%. 34.8% of the world's wealth. God says, you want to know if my promise is good, if I'm good for it? Look at the statistics. 55% of the world's worth, that's more than half, is in the hands of Christians. We haven't finished yet. Number two, the top billionaires in the world. 26 of the top 50 billionaires in the world are what? Christian. Next nine, the next number is nine Jews out of the top 50 billionaires in the world are what? Are Jewish, nine. Three Muslims, one Buddhist, 10, no religious affiliation. So still the top 50 billionaires in the world are Christian. Next in line are nine, which are Jews. Now, this is what I want you to see about Jewish people. There are over 1 billion Muslims in the world, okay? 1 billion, okay? There are 0.2 Jews in the world, 14 million, okay? So Jews who are only 14 million and Muslims who are over a billion, but yet the Jews are wealthier than the Muslims when you at, figure out the percentages, you get what I'm saying? Okay. Leading Christian billionaires. Watch this. Everybody thinks it's Bill Gates, right? 
You, you heard, Bill, Bill Gates, is an, he's a Catholic, okay? He and his wife Belinda are Catholic, okay? But watch this. Sam Walton was a Presbyterian ruling elder in his church, okay? He's now in heaven. Rob Walton, his oldest son, has 39 billion. Alice Walton has 39 billion. Jim Walton has 60 billion. Christy Walton has 41 billion, making a total Walton family worth of $237 billion. Who has the most money? J Gates or the Waltons? The Waltons. Amen? David Green, who is a Baptist and the owner of Hobby Lobby, you heard of that, haven't you? Is worth $4.5 billion. In the last year, he has given $500 million to spread evangelism throughout the world, more than the Waltons. So just because God gives it to you doesn't mean you're going to spread it. Because here's a man with nowhere near as much money as the Waltons, but he gave $500 million last year. Hobby Lobby. So who do you, why do you think the devil came against Hobby Lobby? Do you know they tried to run Hobby Lobby out of business? Chick-fil-A, the owner before he died, was worth $2 billion. Was given more to missions than anybody else. They tried to run him out of business. Because God says, I want you to understand something. I'm true to my promise. I said that if you are Abraham's seed, you can count on my promise and count on the earth. I'm count on my oath because I am giving you wealth, not so that you can live luxuriously, so that you can fund evangelism, so that you can fund scholarships, so that you can create jobs, so that our people live good because God promised he wants us to prosper and be in good health, so you can build hospitals and universities. I want you to be in control of this planet. Look at the Jews, Jewish billionaires. Watch this. Zuckerberg, Facebook, 33 billion. Jeff um, Bezos, okay, from Amazon, 34 billion. Bloomberg, of all Bloomberg everything, okay, the mayor of New York. 35 billion. Sergio Brim from Google has 29 billion. Larry Page, who owns, who's the, his partner in Google, is another uh, um, 29. So you, ha so you have to really take 29 and 29 is how much? Yeah, so kind of put some at the top of the heap as partners, okay? Ellison from Oracle Software, 43 billion. Now, so it looks like the Jews. Uh, or the Jewish are second in line in, in wealth. You don't realize it. And guess what puts them first in line? Jews are richer than Christians, richer than anyone else in the world. And do you know what puts them in line? The Rothschilds, the house of Rothschild. We don't even know who they are or what they do. But we know that they go back to Napoleon. They were the first to put the rail lines throughout Europe. What they did, Nathaniel Rothschild, Nathan Rothschild had five sons, four legitimate, one who wasn't so legitimate. He sent them to every country in Europe, to France, to England, to Sweden, everywhere, all the way to Germany. They were, he was a German Jew. And he set up the banking systems in each of those countries. 
He built the Suez Canal, okay? All the infrastructures in Europe belong to the Rothschilds. So they have never been able to, the Bank of the United States of America was started by the Rothschilds. And the thinking is that the Rothschilds, and people know this, this is also a fact that I found out, have morphed themselves into a family, morphed meaning that they had so much wealth that they had to begin to hide their wealth. They morphed themselves into the Rockefellers and the Astors. Nobody knows what the Rothschilds are worth. Hitler tried to destroy them. They've, they've always tried to destroy the Rothschilds because every infrastructure in Europe and many in the United States were controlled by the Rothschilds. How much are they worth? All they know it's in the trillions. They're not listed with billionaires because they're not billionaires. They are trillionaires, which puts the Jews at the top of the list. Does God honor his word or what? Somebody ought to say amen. Now, if God has proven within a shadow of the doubt, and these, are, these don't come from religious Figures. These are not religious figures. This comes from Forbes, okay? That'll say who has all the money. And a lot of people that have money, Forbes, they're not even listed on Forbes. They're underground, okay? And they have more money than all these people. But the Rothschilds, it is said, if you combine all the wealth of Christians and Jews and Muslims and Hindus, you still will not have touched what the Rothschilds control. They call themselves the health of Rothschilds. And they said they have morphed into so many names around the world now that people don't even know that it's the Rothschilds behind it anymore. But they're Jews. Now, if God made a promise, if he made a promise, he said, Jim, who did he tell Joshua? Who did he tell Joshua, Pastor? Remember what he told Joshua? He said, everywhere you set your foot, Joshua. He said, if you, he said, if you obey my law and just do my word, I promise you that you will have good success. There's a difference between success and good success. Some of the most wicked people in the world have the world's success, but it's not doing them any good and it's not doing anybody else. But he promised Joshua, he said, Joshua, I will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God says, I, I, I want your hope to float. I can't, the Lord sent me here so that your hope would float. So that you would no longer see yourself as little and see yourself as ordinary or set mediocre goals for yourself. God said to me, how much can you handle? I said, I can found, handle 50 million on my first book and 50 million on my second. He said, how, how about 500 million? I said, no, that's too much work. You asked me about the work. I don't want to do the work. I want to work where I'm comfortable, where I can still look at my family and be with my grandbabies. That's the work I want to do. So I'm happy with 50 million. You may want more. 
And I'm here to tell you that if you would just line yourself up with what God is saying and believe God and know that if you're going to get to that cargo ship, give me that cargo ship again. If you're going to get to where it is, deep is calling unto deep. You're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to remember the promise. Paul, God cannot lie. And I'm telling you, I'm a new person inside. I'm a new person inside. My belief level right now is soaring. Not because I really see anything, but just I know something that I always known, but it would not come to the surface of my understanding because there was so much junk piled on top of that. Yeah. Of thinking, you don't really need a lot of money. Yes, I do. We went a meeting the other day, Marilyn, how much did we want to write a check for $20,000, right? How much did we want to write that check, Marilyn? Did we not want to write that check? If we had the money, we would have written the check on the spot, wouldn't we, Marilyn? But no, we have to go and pray and beg and see, you know, oh God, maybe I can ask this person and maybe that person. No, it's on you. It's on you. It's on you. Oh, I, I'm, I believe this word right now. I believe this word. We got to stop acting like babies, crying and torn between two opinions. And I'm telling you, if we just begin to lock in to the word, lock in to what God requires. Pastor Darrell said, when you go on that fast, if you ain't praying, you're just dieting. We got to lock in in prayer. We got to be united, even when we don't want to be united. We still got to be united. Families got to get united. The, the, Nathan Rothschild sent five of his sons, five obedient sons throughout the world. And they turned it into a trillion dollars because of the Rothschild name, because of unity. Was it perfect? I'm sure it wasn't. But they stayed together. And they are still together seven generations later. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you. Mm. I just want to say thank you. Lord, somebody in here needs a new level of energy. A new level of power. A new level of understanding that you created us, Lord, to be full of to be wealthy, to be influencers, to be able to write a check for the sake of the gospel. Now more than ever. And when we see the curses of the world, Father, do you know that the people on this earth right now that have the power and the money, if they want to, that Pastor Saeed would be out of jail? Do you know the people that are bigger and more powerful than governments? But the ones that are bigger and powerful than the Iranian government are not interested in Pastor Saeed. But what if we were and we had the money and the power and the influence? What if we were the ones who putting rulers on thrones and electing presidents and kings? Why not me? Somebody say that, why not me? 
Let's stop crying over our circumstances and seeing ourselves underneath and above it. Anybody else want to want to stand on the promise that He made in Hebrews? Let's stand to our feet, Father, in the name of Jesus. Just stand on the promise. Well, I think I want us to just touch hands because I want I want the the spirit of excellence and success and power to pass from one of us to the next. Because see, if you're in the room with a billionaire, guess what? You're in good company. And I believe that we're gonna hear this word and that God is gonna bless us. And he's not gonna bless us sitting down. He's gonna bless us standing up and fighting for every inch. So, Lord, we thank you right now. We just bless you and we just praise you right now. We give you honor. We give you glory. Come on, Daniel Stevenson, and touch Paul. Hallelujah. I want to have us all to be connected in some kind of way. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I think I want, uh, I think I want Paul to pray. Lord, you said that in a model prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is every as it is in heaven every single day. Lord, we ask that you would increase our borders, that you would give us a paradigm shift, that we would stop thinking as beggars, because you promised, Lord, that we would lend and we'd be the lenders, not the borrowers. Give us a paradigm shift that we can see ourselves as you see us, Lord God. That we overcome, Lord, and that we would tell each other as we overcome. Because it says in the book of Revelations that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That we would be inspired by this testimony of how others are overcoming. And we know, Lord, that you're no respecter of persons, Lord God. So if you did it for one, you'll do it for us, Lord. Yes. Let us believe you, Lord. Let it be counted unto us as righteousness, Lord God. Because we believe your word. We believe the report. We know not only what you can do, but what you're going to do, Lord. Lord, Thomas said, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord God. We believe, but help our unbelief, Lord. That we would be overcomers, Lord God. And that we would keep the mindset that, above all, that we would do things and participate and lend and 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 give and and sow that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven every single day Lord God give us that mindset above all other things Lord God we praise you we thank you we glorify we magnify your name Lord God it's in your name Jesus we pray Lord hallelujah I want you to prepare a very generous offering, a sacrificial. Go beyond today. We need to pick up some of the deficit. One of these days, there's going to be a person to walk into this house, and we will be able to underwrite everything that, uh, that needs to be underwritten. But for now, just 
I want you to just get the biggest and the best offering that you can to bless this ministry. Because right now we know we have a promise and an oath, don't we? From God. Amen. He's going to do it. You can... Uh...